and welcome to the podcast at Don's House, because what the world needs most right now is a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. I'm Esther. I'm Karen. And I'm Aoife. And today we're talking about Babysitter's Club, book 47, Mallory on Strike. Did you guys read this book as kids? No. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I did. Um, I can't pretend. I can't pretend. This is our third time trying to record this conversation and making it sound fresh bear with us guys we've had some technical problems i did i learned about eels i learned about elevating wounds i learned about pretentious creative writing classes and i learned the word frugal and that's what i owe to this book and let's move on what was the frugal thing again remind us that was funny i thought it was some kind of ethnicity for some reason (laughs) I think my dad had a cookbook that was like the frugal gourmet cookbook. So I thought it was some kind oh of like God. Eastern European place or something. And then I was like, why is Stacy suddenly announcing that she's frugal? I thought she was from New York. <laughs> well, you know, New York is a melting pot. As they, well, yes. As they say. She's frugal um, American. But it's basically frugal American. It's basically like me thinking a limp salad was a specific variety of salad. That yes. had like limp things in it. <laughs> Instead of a derogatory term for whatever Stacy was eating. I can't remember which of them was eating the limb salad. Okay. Um, right. Let's do some book. <laughs> okay. Let's yeah. do some book. Let's roast some covers. Um, oh, yes. So I have dropped the UK cover into our group chat. Um, Mallory is giving off powerful grad student vibes here. Like, Oh, yes. Looks like a person. Not an 11-year-old person. <laughs> yeah, no. Like a... Yeah. Uh, she's like, this This tutorial a, is like... <laughs> she looks like an exhausted 23-year-old, so yeah. She's doing an MFA in creative writing and it's not everything she'd hoped for. Yeah. I mean, yes, she's definitely doing a tutorial of some description here. Um, just, I do love that there's a small blonde child in the classroom holding a book. <laughs> Nobody has done the reading. No. This small blonde child is trying to blag it. <laughs> yes the small blonde child has some yeah extremely generic analysis about how it's all a metaphor for like the class system of industrial 19th century britain or whatever and mallory is yeah extremely unimpressed that would be that would be trying um i think what's actually happening here is that as the um small blonde child goes on in her description of what happens in this book, it becomes increasingly apparent that she has actually seen the Simpsons episode based on the book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that I ever did this <laughs> in a class. <laughs> and that I got away with it at the time, but... Amazing. Okay, what book was it? And oh, it was Streetcar Named Desire. <laughs> oh my god. So, do you is... think she really starts flying? <laughs> Stanley, stop or I'll tell Stella. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that's amazing by the way uh the extra crinkling in the preceding conversation was provided by my husband you're welcome <laughs> hi brian thanks hi brian he's left thanks for the audio he's taken his crinkly food with him <laughs> <laughs> see the only disruption my husband is going to provide me with is our toddler should oh, yeah. he wake we should do the book Oh yeah, before your child wakes up. <laughs> oh yeah, we are on a really unpredictable timer, so yeah. Right. Alright, so yes, Mallory is in a tutorial with this weirdly shiny faced child. Mm-hmm. Um 
and she's not feeling it. The American cover, uh, which I've just linked to you guys, I suspect this is another reused off the calendar one. Because yeah. this is not a scene from the book and it's also and extremely it's also, seasonal. Yes, extremely, uh, yeah, calendrical. Um. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we've got Mallory and Jesse and one of the blondes and some generic babies like sweeping up leaves and Jesse is throwing them at Mallory and she's frolicking. I, I believe that's Nikki and one of the younger pikes because it has glasses, so oh, it must yes. be Nikki. And then the generic blonde is, I believe, Dawn. That is California casual, not New York sophistication. Yeah, mm. I mean, it doesn't look very hippie, but it's definitely not sophisticated. So I'll, yeah, I'll no. go with that. It's more not Stacy than definitely Dawn, if yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. The most obvious difference between these two covers is that nobody can agree what fucking hair color Mallory has. Because American Mallory is very clearly a redhead and British Mallory has very dark brown hair. Yeah. The other thing that they have in common is that neither of them actually describes the scene from the book as far as I can recall. Yeah. The, the, the small blonde looks like Jenny Prezioso, I think. She's extremely, well, like she's got like a blue Alice band and like a floral dress with a, a lacy Peter Pan-ish collar yeah, and stuff. Yeah, pot. She looks mm. like Jenny, Pre- like, I would assume that was Jenny Prezioso, but I don't think Mallory babysits for her in this book. I mean, Mallory actually does very little, she does a lot of, like, amorphous, ill-defined childcare, but she has very few sitting jobs, which is kind of the point of the book. Yes, that is the, <laughs> this is why she goes on strike. Yes. Yep. Um, Aoife, do you want to give us our one sentence summary? Mallory takes on a writing project and is overwhelmed by the demands of being the oldest child in a large family and uh, part of a babysitting business. So instead of uh, communicating her needs to anybody, she gets extremely resentful of all of her responsibilities and handles the situation badly, but it ends up okay in the end. (laughs) That's very relatable, though. (laughs) I mean, yes, yes, but it still frustrated me. I think because she's operating at such a, like, basic, like, level of, like, no, you, you just have to say why. And then I remember that, like, because I am a disaster, I have had to work very hard on being, like, I am not going to be able to fulfill those responsibilities. I am terribly sorry, and I am letting you know in enough time for somebody else to fucking do it. Um, But that was a learned skill, and I did not have it at 11. Mm. I didn't have it in college. (laughs) I'm realizing that, like, we've talked about the different genres of book. Like, there's the everyone gets competitive, and there's let's solve a mystery, and there's boys ones, and there's ghosts are real or maybe not, depending how Anne's feeling today. (laughs) And there's also a, like here's a lesson on the value of time management which like there's multiple babysitters yes. books about time mm. management it's kind of weird like it's a very specific skill to drill down on for tween girls I, I wonder is it either that either Anne struggles with it mm. or like that she's really good at it and doesn't get why everyone else sucks <laughs> yeah it could definitely be either of those if she's the Marianne, who's the super organized one who never forgets anybody's appointments or whatever, it's probably the latter, to be fair. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a point where um, the kind of book that is of interest to tween girls 
Um, and the type of thing feeling girls are interested in also kind of intersects with labor. <laughs> so <laughs> I suppose. I mean, yeah. um, not to be like overly Marxist. <laughs> right? I, I, I think we can here. be a Marxist podcast. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I, I am here for Marxist uh, Marxist analysis. We've been left coded all along. It's fine. Ooh, maybe we'll be banned in like s- several American states. I don't know if they're <laughs> oh, yeah. around to banning podcasts yet. I'm sure they're working on it. It's hard to ban things on the internet. <laughs> I think my, actually one of my issues with it was that it... Um, a really uh, gave a really reductionist explanation of what strikes are, and there was a wonderful opportunity to explain. Like it was literally Mallory going, "Oh yeah, people stop working until they get paid more money." It's like actually, mostly people strike for better conditions, Mallory, which is what you were doing, and that <laughs> would have been a way better way to introduce. This could have been wonderfully educational about the labor movement. Why wasn't it? I'm yeah. very mad about how this isn't a book about labor activism. And it's yes! just a book about, like individualist solutions to time management problems rather than structural change. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, I am. Yeah. Where do we find out about the Dunn stores workers and the, the grapefruits exactly. from South Africa, guys? Yes. <laughs> we could have had a whole monologue. I mean, I guess it's the Christy Moore song. But, you know, like... Yeah, where 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 do where do we learn about how the OSHA regulations were all written in blood? Exactly. And like, where do we mm. learn about how Upton Sinclair's the, the Jungle was about health and safety, but everyone thought it was about food hygiene and learned the wrong lessons. Although food yes. hygiene is also important. <laughs> Why don't we want? When are we going to learn about the Pinkertons and strike breaking and like you the know Triangle Shirtwaist Fire? Yeah, come on, people. <laughs> Mallory and the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire. <laughs> We need the history of labour organising in these books for tweens. Okay, if there was a Mallory and the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire, we would skip it on this podcast because it would be too depressing. <laughs> be but it's the principle. I mean, it would be Mallory doing a project on the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire and they would gloss it over. But They'd sanitise it a lot. They would be like, yeah. some of the ladies got overheated, but it was fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, do you know who would do Mallory and the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire? Who? who? Lois Lowry. Yes. <laughs> I don't think yeah. Judy Bloom would have done it unless there was like also content about periods that was really important to the triangle shirt based fire. It's fair. It's fair. Well, lots of those garment workers were teen girls. So. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you could very easily have like, yeah, a triangle shirt based book that included periods content. Mm. Guys, we have to pull out of this depressing skin. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> back up, back up, back up. Okay. All right. Yes. Um. <laughs> Uh, everyone take it take a deep breath and just like reorient yourself anyway this is really more about setting personal boundaries than it is about striking anyhow yes um the the title's kind of misleading so let's like dive right in right (laughs) and by that i mean esther do it because i've forgotten everything about this book and by right in we've been recording nearly 14 minutes (laughs) this time around i've read half of it we read, I've read it all, but I've reread half of it today. So let's see if we can figure out where that stopped. This is going to be so professional, you guys. Okay, so the episode begins with Mallory in her pretentious creative writing class. Um, Mr. Doherty is her creative writing teacher. We've never heard of him before, but he's absolutely her hero and she stands him. And it is also hilarious to me how Anne and the ghostwriters have gone out of their way to code him as like, not attractive at all Mallory yes. definitely does not have a crush on him he's just like he's he's just really impressive but he is round and jolly and has a moustache that he twirls and there's absolutely nothing sexy about this guy 
But yeah, no, I noticed that as well. It was, I think it was really like it had to be done because, um, yeah, bad vibes. But I'm glad they did. Because of all these teen girls seducing adult men the way they do, that, you know, mm-hmm. definitely that is the way that power it works. All the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, I'm pretty sure we get a later book where Stacy maybe has a crush on a teacher. So they didn't want to blow that plot on Mallory because, like, we already had, like, Claudia, Stacy, Stacy, one of them, and the ski instructor. Oh yes, yes, it was Claudia, I think. The, like twenty-five-year-old married with a child ski instructor, so you know. And Christy having a very out of character crush on a man at the baby care class. Yes, yeah. But then she saw him parenting, and her crush evaporated. I, I, I it was, it was the like compulsory heterosexuality that evaporated. Let's face yeah. it. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, Mallory is not remotely crushing on Mister Doherty, the creative writing teacher, but um, he is totally her hero. Um, and he announces that the school is having. Sorry, my iPad is acting up. The school is having an event called Young Authors Day, where a famous author is going to come and talk to them about writing. And they're going to have a contest with prizes going to the best writers in Stony Brook Middle School. There's an incredible number of categories and the school must be gigantic to have like enough entries for every category. There's best poem, best short story, best mystery, best illustration of a story and best overall fiction for the sixth grade. Do we not accidentally get the numbers? Do they not give us numbers at some stages? They're not like about 100 people per grade or 200 people per grade. It is huge. Okay. Considering there's only like three grades in it, it's huge. Also, if entry is compulsory, then you're going to have something to choose from. Um, I suppose. It's not clear to me whether that's the case, though. But I don't think entry is compulsory because Mr. Doherty asks who in the class is going to uh, is going to enter. Well, I certainly knew that because I definitely read this book recently. So <laughs> I will concede that point to you, Eva. Um, so yeah. we have re- I have read it up till, reread up till that point at least. <laughs> this um, is page one. <laughs> No, no, but the point later on when he's yes, like, who's going to enter and like 10 people raise their hands or whatever. That might be page two. Um, it's not. It's way further. I, way, I, given at least we, five more pages. We only just had like a major school event involving um, writers. Writers. And this is yeah. the middle school. This isn't even like a, a secondary school with like a thousand people in it like you would have here if you were somewhere very, fairly populous. This is like, this is the just a chunk of school that you do before going on to do other school like they're obsessed with writers and writing and stuff so i have to conclude that um the the all these writers showing up at the school gave everybody a taste for literature and literary competitions and that's what they want now yeah Um, because otherwise this makes no sense or there's just a lot of very bored writers around stony brook who will turn up for the opening of an envelope roaming connecticut (laughs) yeah Look, the town's budget, the, the budget that should have been spent on sailing safety gets spent on paying, like, airfares for writers to come to the middle school. Ah, so this is some kind of collab with the... The arts sector has this all sewn up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so Mallory is very excited, obviously, because she's going to be a writer. Um, she segues from this into telling us about herself and Jessie. Nothing very important here except that she claims she has chestnut brown hair. Why can nobody make up their mind what colour hair? David Levithan has a serious Bible for exactly this kind of issue. This is, I think, the attempt at compromising. Because chestnut brown hair is a ruddy brown. That's very charitable of you, Aoife. It's not fucking ginger. But like, 
And she has done, I don't know, the, the best I could think of, I read that and I was just like, oh, somebody is trying to make it both work. And it doesn't, <laughs> but no. somebody is trying. This was an attempt to be like, look, okay, sometimes it looks brown, sometimes it looks red, just deal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm picturing the two ghostwriters on this book having a session that's kind of like the one in Father Ted um, where they're trying to write the song for the Eurovision Song Contest and like Ted has just smoked 100 cigarettes and he's standing and just swearing and everything is beeped out and this is them trying to work out all these details they've actually done a load of stuff that I've noticed over the next few paragraphs I have it all highlighted where it's like references to very specific things that happened in specific books some of them mm-hmm. quite recently so I think they sat down and worked out and like read the whole series between them to to get to this point honestly i think david levithan came and just put those in <laughs> maybe possibly just wrote the chapter like wrote these bits how how much like credit do you want to give david levithan the, like, what what precise role does he have apart from being is he a scholastic guy continuity guy is scholastic i mean he's now he, a literary he fiction guy yeah but at this but stage like, he was and he also like made up claudia's outfits he Did would he? read like teen fashion magazines. Yeah, I read an interview with him. He said he would read teen fashion magazines and just put together things that didn't match. I thought it was Anne that did that. I didn't know it was him. No, I don't think like, Anne didn't have time for that shit by then. <laughs> yeah, no. So I think he, he I mean, he would have, I, I reckon he like contributed to actually just probably they were like wrote the non like, here's the rehash of who everyone is bits. And he was like, okay, well, we're putting in this, 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 right. Rewrite that to match the story or whatever. Yeah. Um. I really like the fact that it says that Brian, Byron, Jordan and Adam have very different personalities. Especially Byron, who's sensitive. It's like, that is the only personality they have. All three are obnoxious, but Byron is also sensitive. And afraid of H2O. That is the entirety of their personalities, all three of them. Byron is also motivated by food, like a Labrador. Um, So he he actually has all the personality. Jordan and Adam are just obnoxious. That is the only thing they are. Yeah. And they don't have separate personalities. Don't tell lies. No, No, they don't. Only Byron has traits and they're not very interesting. No. Um, so Mallory... Well, misogyny is a trait. <laughs> yeah. Mallory announces to Jessie after school that she's going to enter and she has a chance at winning the Best Overall Fiction Award. And Jessie gives her a congratulatory hug, which seems slightly premature because, like, literally all she's done is decide to enter. But whatever. I'm going to enter a competition. Oh my God, congratulations! <laughs> That's amazing. You have a chance at winning. So I tell myself about the lottery. Um, so Mallory plans to go home and do all her weekend homework, um, get it out of the way so that she can spend the weekend working on her story. Um, but then just an unconscionable amount of the usual pipe bullshit breaks out. Mm -hmm. Clara thinks their mother has been kidnapped because their mother said she was going to take a nap and... However old Claire is, she's too old for this kind of like basic level misunderstanding. Um, then Margot has got into their mother's makeup and is doing a makeover. And so Mallory has to intervene and stop her from doing that. Um, Vanessa is reading poetry or writing poetry uh, and has completely dissociated. So Mallory has to send her off to search for their mother. And then Nikki is like, poisoning the hamster with a candy bar mm-hmm. and got bit for his trouble and then the hamster ran away to try and find somebody who would feed him like real hamster food presumably um and Mallory has to 
deal with all of this and then the entire afternoon goes by and she doesn't have any time to work on her story and then she is very annoyed and she wishes she had a normal life and therefore we have established the themes of the novel <clears throat> Karen do you want to give us the rundown of all the like easter eggs from the previous books that you had lined up you'll be very pleased to know that the finger that was bitten by the um a, oh, yeah. a very vindicated hamster um is one that had already been broken playing volleyball um there is a reference in probably in the descriptive chapters to Stacy having recently got really sick when she wasn't eating right and her blood sugar went crazy. She had to be put in the hospital in New York. See, that's the kind of aside that I agree with you on that, Aoife. Um, that has been in, inserted follow, uh, like post hoc. I think that um, Nikki getting bitten by Frodo actually feels a bit more organic to me. Quite um, possibly. I would interpret this as an attempt being made. Um yeah. Uh, the word acute turns up. Yes. Um, I have some stuff highlighted that I have no memory of um, or why <laughs> I have it highlighted now. Um, I have something about a small boy wearing a cowboy shirt and hat. <laughs> I have why? that is highlighted, that but I have that highlighted because it's like, this is the 90s, not the 50s. That- <laughs> kids did kids stopped doing that as a matter of course like by the 70s for the love of god yeah it's very boomer um yeah the arnold twins actually turned out to be nice the notebook sure helped me with them i don't know i feel like this book was very short and then david levithan got into it and was like let's just let's just have like a clip show if if that's the case i mean that actually sounds quite plausible to me okay um Shay Maurice has the most dibble food. Get that vocabulary in there. Um, I hate that word. Yeah, actually, it's all in the the start of the book, or most of it is, which, yes, that's all I got. Chapter two, Mallory heads off to her babysitter's club meeting and she does a zoned out montage, tells us about who's in the babysitter's club. We do get a first, which is that she has the courage to come out and name some specific sports that Christy is into rather than just the concept of sports as a whole. Christy has posters of gymnasts and football players and a few Olympic posters. This is the most concrete data we've ever had on Christy's like sports fandom. Yeah. 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 Gymnasts and football players. Yeah. And And Olympics. Olympics. (laughs) Olympics. I like that. Let's just put Olympics in there to make sure we've got all the bases covered. Yeah. Like, and no mention of baseball, the one sport that Christy plays. No. Um, there's a mention of Bart Taylor, who this time around is sort of Christy's boyfriend. All of the babysitters have a different version of events here. Um, she, it's complicated. Yes, it's complicated. She tells us who's in Christy's family. She tells us who's in Claudia's family. Janine's IQ is back to 196 again. I think it was lower for a while and now it's back to 196. It was. It was It was something like plausible. Pre- yeah. and, like, it, and we were really happy that it was suddenly plausible again. And now we're, well, yeah. That's... Now she is, again, the smartest person who has ever lived. I do love yeah. the idea that it gets like wildly inflated when other people, <laughs> when it's like second or third hand information, especially yes. for the younger babysitters who are just like, did you hear? here she has an IQ of like 196 like <laughs> I heard it was 3000 <laughs> sounds plausible I have no idea how, how that's measured I'm yeah. 11 yeah that yeah. works um she tells us about Marianne she tells us about Stacy she says that 
Logan speaks with a great droll, but all the same, she's glad that he doesn't attend meetings. Um, then she is on her way cycling to Claudia's house while she's telling us all of this. And then she zones out so hard that she almost crashes into a football in the street, um, which kind of made me laugh because for some reason it's mainly with Mallory that the like zoning out to describe everyone gets really lampshaded. Last time she nearly burnt her hands on a casserole. Yeah, and this time she nearly got in a bike accident. <laughs> so the next chapter, she goes into her meeting. She tells us yet more about how the Babysitters Club works. Um, nothing very new here, except that the Preziosos are friends with the Pikes officially, which I don't think we ever yeah. heard before. And apparently, yeah. they all live on Burnt Hill Road, which is where Don and Marianne live as well. Um, yeah, there was a map released at some stage uh, uh, shortly before this, like as part of, might have been part of the calendar or something, but yeah, uh, there was a map of Stony Brook. Um, yeah, so they named some streets. I kind of think less of the Pike parents. Less of, yeah, for being friends with those wankers. Yeah, like the, the Pike parents were, you know, they were kind of messy, but they were like... Down to earth and... Yeah. Yeah. I, I disapprove of their friendship. <laughs> maybe, maybe like they're not friends. Maybe they just like are in similar like clubs or social things, and they like are f- friendly because they're thrown together a lot. Mallory can't tell because she's eleven. That makes a ton of sense, actually. Yeah. Apparently, all the kids are needing babysat be- this week because their parents are all going to Chez Maurice for a fundraiser for the Stony Brook Public Library. Because the middle school seeps siphoning all the literature funds. Apparently, and the the Civic Centre is taking everything else. And like, this sounds made up. We all have to go to a fancy French restaurant for a library fundraiser. Sounds like something you would make up to distract kids from figuring out you're actually going to get another swingers party (laughs) i mean yeah obviously we then have another instance of anna martin has never met a single japanese person or eaten in a japanese restaurant Mm -hmm. um because claudia is enthusing about the angui roti at chez maurice and jesse who's learning french because it's the language of ballet uh helpfully translates this as roasted eels and claudia like freaks the fuck out yeah yeah it's like um Read the menu on a Japanese... Re- you don't have to go in there, but just, like, read the menu, like, in the window of a Japanese restaurant. It, it's just a very generic food there. It's fine. Like, it's even if Claudia has not eaten eels in America, she would have heard that they are a foodstuff. Yeah. She could easily have been like, oh, my family keep trying to make me eat eels, but, like, I'm an extremely Americanized teen, and I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Or it could have been literally any other babysitter. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Did I tell you guys about the time I accidentally went to like an eel town an eel in Japan? Town. No. My my dad came out to visit me when I was living in Japan, and we like I was like showing him the local sites, and there was this town that we were told was very scenic that you could go visit, and they had a lot of canals, and you could do like a little boat tour, and it was very like aesthetic. So we like took the train out of town. It was like an hour away in like way out in the countryside and it turned out that like the boat trip was indeed very aesthetic uh there were lots of little old ladies who were very impressed at my like extremely basic competence in Japanese um (laughs) and it was all going fine until it was time for us to like get something to eat and it turned out that the local like delicacy is eels that were raised in the town canals eels are not kosher 
There was nothing to eat except for eels anywhere. Every restaurant we passed just had a huge sign saying, yes, we have eels. And like fancier and fancier Japanese calligraphy with the word for eel. And the most phenomenal smells of barbecued eel issuing from literally every single door that we passed by. And we were just getting hungrier and hungrier and hungrier and sadder and sadder and sadder. And eventually we found someone that would sell us like a box of extremely flavorless biscuits. And we sat very sadly by the canal and ate those. Oh, God. oh no. <laughs> and you're like, just a barge goes by and there's like pork being barbecued on it. And you're like, what is going on <laughs> in this town? <laughs> oh, oh my God. It's just a, a whole town with nothing except eels. Like Nothing. All of the restaurants appeared to serve nothing but eels. They didn't serve, like, rice? <laughs> I was going to say, could you just have a bowl of plain rice? There were sides in kanji that I didn't know, and smartphones hadn't been invented yet, so I couldn't <laughs> yeah, okay. them up. <laughs> the sign said, no rice without eels. <laughs> <laughs> Look, not knowing the language and having devastating social anxiety is a really bad combination yeah. for, like, trying to get fed somewhere. <laughs> Just, you just can't go in and ask for a plain bowl of rice because you, you just picture like a worst case scenario where you end up getting chased with pitchforks or something. <laughs> she doesn't want eel. Get her. Exactly. Literally that. I've actually had that exact scenario in places where they use the Roman alphabet and also I don't keep kosher. <laughs> just like It's just straight up like, but what if I they look at me when I walk into this restaurant <laughs> and I have to do some kind of thing? That was when I was much younger. I think these days I'd be like, yeah, give me a pizza. Woo, let's go. Weirdly, I'm fine for ordering like off menu because I was such a picky kid. Anytime we went anywhere to eat, my parents made me order like like there were the proper, like not McDonald's, but like, you know, where they came and took your order to the table. My parents made me order for myself and it was always... Uh, excuse me, can you please do a breast of chicken and chips? Or like, could I please have a breast of chicken? And it was like rarely on the menu, but it was like, I would eat it. So mm. um, I kind of got used to the fact that like, it doesn't seem weird for me to be like, could you do plain rice? I don't like eel. Um, that would be difficult to communicate. <laughs> when I was younger, I was absolutely terrified i will leave the language barrier out of it as regards to eel i could not say that in any language i only know the english for eel um but, uh, <laughs> ongi, yeah i uh, also don't speak any other french so it wouldn't work there either but um just go in the door and shout that until someone <laughs> no brings ongi. you an eel <laughs> no ongi. Uh, being in uh anyway anyway maybe claudia will grow to love eels Maybe. She does love eels. She thought it was delicious. Yes. She okay. just doesn't love the thought of eels. She will grow to expand her understanding of what she can tolerate. Maybe she is performing her eel disgust in front of her American friends. Yeah. Because she knows they'll give her a hard time if she's like, it's not that big of a deal, you guys. Yum, yum, yum. I love eating eels. And then Christy will be like, ew. Yeah, Christy would never fucking shut up about it if Claudia admitted mm -hmm. to liking the eels. Maybe it's just easier this way. Now I'm sad again. Yeah, that's really annoying. If yeah. That's yes. true. And it's also quite people, plausible. But people are annoying about food. These people are particularly annoying about food. Like we've heard Marianne's like views on the extremely standard sounding Chinese takeaway that is available. Anyway, Claudia has feelings about eels that we have feelings about in our turn. <laughs> yeah. 
She has feels um, about eels. <laughs> she does. <laughs> She's got those eels feels. <laughs> Isn't that a song by Maroon 5? <laughs> so everyone is being hired and then somebody wants a babysitter to hire the... To, a babysitter to look after the Hobart boys for four Saturdays and everyone thinks that Mallory will take it. But Mallory realises that she's too busy because she has to work on her story. But she's too embarrassed to tell anyone this. So she just awkwardly says that she doesn't want the job. And then everyone stares at her weirdly. And they give the job to Shannon Kilburn. And then Mallory cycles away in a panic. <laughs> it's very weird. Yeah. Yeah, she she is a bit awkward, I think, in terms of her... Um just communication skills and i think that has been established before um but yeah it's a it's not a yeah it it's it would be quite easy to just say no i'm really busy right now yes like it wouldn't be bonkers it wouldn't even be bonkers to go look i i have this project where i have to i want to do the competition um and things are really busy at home at the moment i don't have the bandwidth to take on i mean she even says maybe i could take a leave of absence it's like that would have been the time to ask about it but then like Christy was being a total cow to her so she didn't but like yeah. yeah it's very weird this is the downside to Christy being so Christy though it's like <laughs> she's scary and people were like oh I can't ask her that plus it is the sort of club where everyone was like well you should <laughs> none of the rest of us took a leave of absence but Jessie doesn't take a leave of absence when she has important ballet on or whatever. Yeah. It is though. They they do that kind of vibe like. Yeah. But like at this point no one's really done anything. They're just surprised cuz she's being weird and furtive. Oh yeah, no. She's just mm. like, yeah, for no reason. No, this is just Yeah, this at this point she, she should just say it. She just be like, I've got a lot on my plate. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do much if any babysitting for the next 3 weeks. I can I I think the social pressure is there. Um and oh, also yeah. I I even before anything is said about this specific thing I can see Mallory being like, what if I get fired for turning down yeah. jobs? Yeah. Um, I would have assumed that they're all thinking, oh, she and Ben have had a fight. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's funny that doesn't come up at all. Yeah. You like, could even that... have implied that if you wanted yes. to. <laughs> like, anyway, wait, but Mallory is making some um, snap decisions at the moment. <laughs> yes. Some bad choices. Also bizarre, by the way, that the sitters have to help the Hobart boys with their homework on a weekend. The elementary schoolers. Yeah, why is there all this weekend homework? Like, I, I doubt they're getting. Like, they don't even get, like, homework every night in elementary school, really, do they? I would I would have no idea. There seem to be violently different approaches to homework. Yeah, it's fair. Worldwide and at different points in time. I think I'm thinking <laughs> of Australia, where they do not get homework until they're in secondary school. Ah. Uh... I was so jealous of my Australian cousins. Maybe they have to get catch-up homework. Yeah. Maybe. For all the homework they didn't get while they were living in Australia. They were in Australia. Yeah, the, the, or maybe they don't even, but the Hobart parents are like, Jesus, our kids need help with this stuff. This is just like a mountain <laughs> of homework. <laughs> That's fair. They're suddenly doing a whole new curriculum kind of thing. and yeah, They have to learn how to drop U's out of loads of words. Somebody needs to help them with that. <laughs> they learned the wrong country's history. <laughs> The next morning, uh, Mallory gets up at 7am and goes downstairs to the rec room to work on her homework. And she manages to get it all done very quickly because nobody else is awake yet. Um, then the family gets up and starts making breakfast. We have some excellent news. 
which is that when they are at home, the pikes actually fry their bacon. They do not microwave it like the godless heathens <laughs> that they were on holiday. Yeah, we never did get around to testing that. No, we didn't. We need to do that. You guys need to do that. Didn't you film yourself doing it? I was going to. I talked about it. I thought I, I didn't do I it. Haven't clip in my head of you doing it did that not exist it's in your head karen because i never did it <laughs> whoa <laughs> <laughs> okay that's really weird um i mean no i never did that i probably have some in my freezer well i'm not gonna eat it but i'll help you film you eating it <laughs> <laughs> okay i i'll come over and like if it's gross i won't eat it so let's see <laughs> That should make for great content. I'm too picky. I, I won't eat it if I don't like the look of it. Sorry. Nobody's going to eat this bacon. I think I'm going to... I won't waste it. Let's... Rick <laughs> would eat it. I could bring it home for him. <laughs> oh, yeah. It'll be even better after it's, after it's been driven all the way from Karen's house to your house. But you know what? I mean, that's about 20 minutes. It's fine. Aoife e- can always heat it up again in the microwave. <laughs> the <microwaves>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it probably could be fixed by frying or grilling it. <laughs> this poor bacon. That seems to kind of defeat the purpose of the experiment, though. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, if I've, like, looked at it, God, I'm not fucking touching that, it's disgusting, and then I want to make it edible. Oh, uh, okay. The, the, the point okay. of the experiment is not to make me, like, do something gross, it's to see what microwave bacon is like, I hope. Mm. Oh my god. Can I mean, we... you're not going to make me, I'm not going to eat it if I don't like the look of it, I... I'm very picky. <laughs> okay, it's 10pm. Let's move on. Oh god. Yeah. Can we hear the story of Mallory attempting to have a creative process? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> How apt. Alright, yes. Yeah, so Mallory announces that she's in a great mood and she's finished her homework and her mother is like, great, then you can do some looking after the kids for me. Um, and so she washes up Claire and Margot's hands and she comes back to the table and then Byron sensitively spills his milk all over the table. <laughs> and <laughs> Mallory has to clean it up. And then she um, pays Vanessa to get out of their bedroom for the day so that she can hide out there and work on her story. So she gives Vanessa an entire quarter, uh, which even in 1991 money is not a lot of money. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I think Vanessa knew she was going to lose this argument and just decided <laughs> that she was going to take the payout. Um, Smart. She actually says at the beginning of the book that um, Vanessa, who's a poetess, um, understands her need for privacy. And I was like, that's some good literary solidarity yeah. there. So, um, But there's still a price. Yes. This book is continuing the trend of saying authoress and poetess. <laughs> yes. Those... Like, I, I, I've got the anagram for authoress here. I can see Mallory liking that, though, because it sounds so, like, 19th century and romantic. Mm. Okay, I'll, I'll just about give you that, but really seriously, like, has not been in any kind of significant use since the 1940s. Like, yeah, but I can see, like, you know, she's she's Joe March. She's, a, she's an authoress. <laughs> I don't think even Joe March described herself as an authoress. No, I think she would describe herself as a writer. Um, yeah. What about uh, Anne Shirley? No. I bet she would say authoress, wouldn't she? I don't remember her saying that. Oh, no. I need to reread the books, but I don't remember her saying it. Like, I just don't think that... Like, I don't really remember coming across the word more than a handful of times in my life before I read these books. After she's booted Vanessa out, her parents turn up and say that they have to go 
to drive over and take a look at a secondhand lawnmower that's being sold at a garage sale. And they're bringing the twins with the triplets with them. But Mallory has to watch the other kids. Are the triplets being punished? (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a punishment for sure. (laughs) You will come with us and you will look at this gently used lawnmower and we will hum and haw over whether we want to buy it. And then we will bargain over a very small difference in the price. (laughs) It will take us four hours. (laughs) Yes. God. Uh, then there's some business with her making um, PB&Js for Claire and an explanation of what a PB&J is, uh, which is that a is Pike family favourite. <laughs> How original. I would have been really glad about the explanation when I was um, younger. So, yeah, oh, for sure. But we didn't live in America. Like, I'm pretty sure the actual target readers knew what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, anyway, the day continues like this. Margot gets hit in the face with a shuttlecock. Um, the dog steals the sandwiches more sandwiches have to be made Um, and Mallory is burning up with suppressed resentment and that's her day this is the first of more than one incident of food being stolen by pets in this book I believe yeah 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 I mean, I, I will say those things do happen very regularly, sometimes <laughs> in the same house, yeah. depending on what sort of pets you have. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what badly trained dogs are like. <laughs> and all cats. <laughs> and, yeah. All, yeah. And, and just cats in general. Yeah, cats, yeah. So the next chapter, Mallory goes into her creative writing class. Um, it's arranged to look like a seminar. To make the kids feel fancy. And it works because Mallory feels so fancy. A type of class you get in college which, in which students exchange ideas with their teacher. <laughs> Ostensibly. And Mr. Doherty is giving her grief about being a theoretical writer. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very annoyed at him in this. He was a dick about that. Yeah. So yeah, Mallory um, tells Mr. Doherty the plan she has for her story, but admits that she's only written three paragraphs. And he's an absolute asshole about it. And is like, Mallory, you can't call yourself a writer until you actually do some writing. There's only three weeks to go. Which, like, they started with having four weeks. So she has three quarters of the amount of time left. And now she's just more stressed out and still doesn't have any free time. So thanks, Mr. Doherty. She has a plan and an opening, so yes. Also, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. I'm pretty sure she knows she has three weeks left. Yeah. Thanks. Um, we're, we are not as enamored with Mr. Doherty as Mallory is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Mallory angrily goes home and draws up a schedule, uh, to block out all of her time for the next few weeks so that she can work on her novel. Uh, Vanessa helpfully points out that she hasn't put in any time for having fun. Um, and then says that Mallory is supposed to be doing homework right now. So Mallory is about to go do that. <laughs> and then Claire turns up. <laughs> very upset because the dinosaurs are extinct (laughs) and i i don't know is mallory an absolute doormat or just a better person than me because like at no time in my life would i have sat the child down and told them about the dinosaurs that lived in the past and the ones that live in our mind now no he's like that fucking pigeon out there is a dinosaur (laughs) yeah (laughs) it just evolved into something else actually that was nowhere near as for uh, much at the forefront of the discourse back then so yeah. yeah no they wouldn't have known about that but like 
I think I would have just gone, yes, I'm sorry, they are extinct. Yeah, like, no, they, they are. They're all dead, honey. Sorry, they died a very, very, very long time ago. Now I have to go do my homework. That's why, like, in museums you see skeletons. <laughs> yeah. Because they're all dead. Sorry for your loss, Claire, but life and death questions go to mom and dad only. Go upstairs. I also don't want to talk about Santa. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Or sex education. <laughs> anyway. Wildly above my pay grade as an 11-year-old. <laughs> Yeah, quite possibly. At el- no, I think, yeah, at 11, I definitely would have given the brutal truth. Now I might be like, you know, I think you should go and ask your mommy and daddy about that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or just, it was a very, 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 very long time ago. So that makes it okay. <laughs> yeah. What are you fucking crying about? You get to look at their bones. What's the best bit? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's just, it. I feel like most kids are sort of introduced to dinosaurs as these articulated skeletons which is quite confusing in some ways but like I don't know anybody who was like oh no it, it's not like you know Mr. Snuffles is gonna die someday level of realization <laughs> this is like they start out dead as far as you're concerned as a, as a toddler yes yeah. they've always been dead you didn't have a, <laughs> like a relationship with them prior to their death yeah exactly <laughs> um uh, anyway, yes, she she does decide to take time out of her homework schedule to um, discuss the big questions with her uh, her five year old sister. I don't know. Maybe Mallory is procrastinating. You guys, <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I think like, she's just being better. I I just rolled my eyes so hard at this. I was like, oh my god, no! I would have zero patience in this situation, and I'm not necessarily proud of that, but it's the truth. <laughs> Then her, when she finishes like grief counselling Claire for the death of the dinosaurs, her mother tells her that she has to make dessert for everyone. Um, so Mallory sadly goes off to make chocolate chip cookies and like, this is some bullshit. Like, what? Like, no. Yeah. Homemade dessert is a privilege, not a right. Like, yeah, like you just, you know, my God, we had dessert about four times a year. The rest of the time we like got treat-sized chocolate bar out of the press and ate it after dinner. And you live to tell the tale. And you know what? Probably like that better. Yeah, like, that's great. Chocolate chip cookies are hit and miss. <laughs> we did actually massively increase our dessert frequency at one point when one of my nephews was over visiting and said that at his other granny's they always have dessert. And my dad was like, well, this will not stand. And then proceeded to make a cake every time any of the grandchildren were over forever afterwards. I love so that. that really benefited everyone. Yeah. Amazing. Isn't one of your nephews also a pastry chef? Yes. Different nephew. Okay. So uh-huh. that, this didn't influence that life decision. No. <sighs> but that would have been very satisfying resolution. Maybe yes. I should just fudge it so actually it was him that said that. Put it in your tell-all memoir that you were definitely writing. Totally, as we speak. <laughs> Meanwhile, in Mallory's grim tell-all memoir, uh, she finally gets some time to herself on the Friday afternoon and works on her story and she writes, writes five pages and then realises that she's late for a BSC meeting. And then a funny feeling comes over her. It is the feeling of, maybe I don't really feel like going to this meeting. Dun-dun-dun! Then she realises that... Uh, Christy will kick her ass if she doesn't go, so she just goes anyway. <laughs> I I think that's what people use for motivation, honestly. <laughs> like, Christy's scary. Yeah. I, I mean, we'd all get so much more done in our lives if we had a Christy to, like, 
menacingly threatened to kick our ass if we reneged on our responsibilities. <laughs> you need a mental Christie. Or maybe you don't, though. I feel like we're all under plenty of like pressure to do things. No, um, I, a mental Christie would just, I would just quit everything. So that the mental Christie had nothing to bug me about. Oh, wait, maybe a mental Christie is just the anxiety disorders we had all along. <laughs> I mean, I don't have an anxiety disorder. My anxiety was always extremely grounded in reality. But, like, it was because I hadn't done any essays in an arts degree. Like, you know. You have an anxiety order. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, no, the anxiety was extremely warranted. But, um, uh, like, you know. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 the issue lay elsewhere. Um, but yeah, no, it still would not have been helpful to have. Uh, I, I think we have Christie's in our head. We all have Christie's in our head. Yeah, but I think maybe it doesn't work unless it's a real Christie. I think that's the difference. Mm. So she gets to the meeting, I presume? Yes, she gets to the meeting. Um, Christie is still salty that she's late. Um, and Mallory is mad at. Christy for being mad at her and mad at herself for being late and she's just mad in general <laughs> non-directionally um, then she's still turning down babysitting jobs and refusing to tell anyone why so everyone is really weirded out and there's just like a lot of long awkward silences is, is this what quiet quitting is? Yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> she's quiet quitting. quitting. Nobody wants to work anymore. They're too busy working on their short stories. <laughs> I mean, probably, yeah, because they all have arts degrees. <laughs> so Claudia is trying to, like, cheer everyone up by opening a bag of M&Ms with her teeth and is getting nowhere with it. And I, the image of them all sitting around in silence watching this happen is extremely <laughs> funny to me. Like, <laughs> as she just fails over and over and over again it occurred to me that like claudia should have many pairs of scissors and then it also occurred to me that she probably cannot find any of them so yeah also yeah. they're the good craft scissors she doesn't want to get m&m goop all over them okay. <laughs> <laughs> can't risk it so finally like christy confronts mallory and asks her what the hell is going on and mallory tells them about uh the young author's day thing and that she's struggling with time management and then Christy and Marianne like look at each other and then look very seriously at Mallory and are like, the Babysitter's Club will fall apart if you're a bit busy for the next couple of weeks, Mallory. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> um, mm. Then there's another awkward silence and Claudia is just like horsing M&Ms into her face. She has finally <laughs> got the bag open. <laughs> yeah. I, I admire Claudia in this. She's just mm -hmm. like, fuck it, I've got my priorities. Yep. I'm going to self-soothe. This is the point when Mallory considers taking a leave of absence and she's worried to suggest it in case she gets kicked out. So she buries this thought deep down inside and doesn't even mention it to Jessie and then never brings it up again for the rest of the book. Um, so it was this big dramatic end of chapter cliffhanger that was completely like unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, Next, she's finally doing... Uh, sorry, I was wrong. She does actually do some formal babysitting in this book. She's watching the Barretts and, like, ambient chaos is happening. Um, it's pretty disastrous. It is. <laughs> it is disastrous. It's actually a really good, like, babysitting chaos chapter. I enjoyed the disasters, I have to say. Talk us through it. I need to rest my voice. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, um, 
So the first thing that happens is that somehow a container of flour gets knocked over and explodes all over the kitchen as flour does. I prefer to read like a truncated version of this because it really sounds like there's just like a horrible cocaine explosion. (laughs) Yes, the bag of white stuff. It's quite a while before they mention flour. (laughs) They do not mention the word flour for quite some time. I don't know why the implication is that those children don't know what flour is. It's not, um, even if like... Even if not a ton of home baking is done, it's it's not an obscure substance. Anyway. <laughs> also, Susie met me in the doorway. Her eyes looked huge, but he knocked over <laughs> that bag of white stuff. <laughs> Actually would explain the rest of the day. Um, so yeah, cocaine. They knock over a massive bag of cocaine in the... Uh, let's pretend cocaine has the properties of flour. I don't know what... I've never mixed cocaine with water, so yeah. Maybe it contains gluten. So... <laughs> The the kids knock a big bag of flour all over the place and uh, just as uh, Dawn is, or not Dawn, Mallory is kind of like, okay, well, I'm going to help you clean it up now. Uh, then Marnie comes in and slips in it and like gets a big fright and starts crying. So she goes to comfort Marnie and is like looking after her and uh, tells Buddy and Susie to sweep it up, like get a dustpan and brush and sweep it up. And she comes back in just as they are um, like slopping water and a mop all over the floor, turning the flour on the floor into dough sticking to the floor. Um, And then she is just kind of starting to, I mean, she actually really keeps her cool during this because she's like, "Ah!" and then they're like, are you mad at us? And she's like, no, it's fine. It's just not the best way to clean it, which fair play because like, fucking yes, she is. At this point, you might as well just have like a flower like a flower paste wrestling match on the floor and like they're already covered all of them so pretty much yeah but she's like you know you've both done enough helping you you, you've helped enough and they're like great let's go outside and play and she's like yeah you go outside and play bye and like she miserably is cleaning up the flower that lino is never going to be unsticky ever again no that's never going to be right again they need to replace the floor that they, they need to redo the kitchen and uh next thing you know um Buddy comes back in having caught his foot in the spokes of his bike and it's all covered in blood and um, Mal has to do first aid on it. Um, And it turns out he had no shoes on. He caught his bare foot in the spokes of his bike. And she feels extremely responsible for letting him go outside with no shoes. But he's like, how old? Old enough to know better. Old enough to put fucking shoes on. Um, Yeah. Eight or something. Yeah, he's, yeah, exactly. He's not four like yeah this is on him and to be fair Mrs. Barrett comes home and like gets them all cleaned up it's like it's only a small cut it looked worse than it was blah 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 and is like is like it's fine these things happen and is not like yes Mallory that was very irresponsible but Mallory feels terrible she feels like the accident would never have happened if she had been paying attention Mallory is not experienced with sitting for the Radowskis I would assume I would imagine (laughs) not from this yeah because although I think at the Radowskis you you a, uh, the Radeskis all know how to clear up, clean up every type of spill in its mo- in the most efficient <laughs> yes. form, right down to little Archie. Um, he's just getting out the dust buster. The second, uh, and um, secondly, like they never would have taken the rise off Jackie. Mm. No, just because you know, like you just assume the buddy is like normal. <laughs> he's not a trickster god as far exactly. as I know <laughs> but he's not a trickster god so you would just be like well yes that eight-year-old boy will do the normal thing of putting on shoes before going outside mm-hmm. and riding his bike uh but you know he didn't because eight-year-olds are still eight-year-olds i guess um there you go 
I think this may have been one of my first experiences of like gore in a book I was reading because <laughs> yeah. I remember being like very, very freaked out by this chapter. It's extremely glossed over gore. I don't know. I mean, like she does say like, covered in blood a few times. Like for yeah. these books, it's more upfront no, about injuries than like, it's right. way more graphic than when Claudia broke her leg, for example. It is. It's mm. true. So um, Mal is going to get some, uh, the, the, uh, whatever the opposite of solidarity is. Um, that's what she's about to get in this coming chapter mm-hmm. from Jesse. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, I'll go. So yeah, there's a fucking two-page handwritten Jesse intro from the Club Notebook, oh. uh, which is just Jesse apologizing for everything that's about to come after. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Jesse, uh, she babysits Margot and Claire because. Um, Mallory is off out shopping with their parents and the Margot and Claire basically spend the whole time talking about how annoying Mallory is and how cranky she's been and Jesse sort of feebly tries to like defend Mallory and is like no sometimes her braces hurt and they're <laughs> extremely unimpressed by this yeah I mean that's very irrelevant so <laughs> <laughs> yes um so they make a puppet show slash ballet about an evil princess called mean old Mallory it's very subtle and allegorical you wouldn't understand Jessie decides this might be like drama therapy for the girls so rather than shut this down she decides to encourage them to work out their issues um what could go wrong I don't think that's how it works <laughs> Is it... I'm not no. a psychotherapist yeah but neither is Jessie <laughs> as is very clear yeah, I'm pretty sure making a mean play about your sister is like, yeah, not not what drama therapy is. <laughs> not when you have to live with the sister no. in the same house and are all minors. <laughs> Helpfully, when everyone gets home, um, Claire and Margot run out and tell Mallory what they've been doing with their afternoon. Um, and Mallory yells at Claire and then runs away up to her room. And Jessie sort of sadly slopes off home um this could have gone worse to be honest yeah, like it um i was sort of expecting this to be a big like everyone in the club has a big falling out because mallory hates jesse now but like it, they just never mention it again so it's fine <laughs> jesse walked down the steps of our house feeling confused and hurt the game she had hoped would be helpful had backfired and now her best friend was angry with her and she didn't know what to do about it. Jessie is so the victim here. <laughs> Jessie, have you tried apologising? <laughs> Jessie has tried everything except apologising. <laughs> hey, she kind of apologised in the club notebook. Yeah, but can Mallory read that? I mean, yeah, that is that. Sorry. Um, no, just the, 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 the bit about being confused and hurt is like, mm, I think this is a very straightforward situation, to be honest. <laughs> it's not confusing. Yeah. It, it's very clear why Mallory is mad, actually. It's because yeah. she doesn't understand Jessie's artistic process. <laughs> and because Mallory just needs to learn time management. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so... Next, uh, we have another club meeting um, in which Stacy announces that she's proud of her ethnic frugal heritage. <laughs> and, uh, Mallory announces that she wants to be demoted to an associate member. 
um, because she's too busy and she's too distracted and she feels very guilty about Buddy Barrett's foot accident. Um, and nobody wants to demote her, so she threatens that if they won't demote her, she'll just quit. Yep. Um, everyone is appalled. Marianne instantly starts crying. Claudia drops a candy bar. Um, and Christy <laughs> refuses to hear about it and then says that Mallory should, in fact, take a leave of absence. And Mallory is appalled at this, even though she already had this idea three chapters ago. And that it would, like, solve her problem because she doesn't actually want to be an associate member. She just wants time for the next three weeks. Yes. And the only reason she didn't bring it up was she was afraid Christy would be mad. And now Christy has suggested that same solution. And Mallory is, like, surprised Pikachu face. Um, None of this makes sense. No. I mean, I can understand a degree of logic where it's like Mallory needs the time off, but also has some FOMO. Yeah. And, like... When she she rejects the idea of taking the time off um, and somebody else suggests it, then she's like, what? <laughs> Even though I yeah, know fair. this is the solution, I want to be outraged that it has been applied to me without my consent. <laughs> okay, um, that works. I mean, yeah. this is, I'm, I, I, I'm following this convoluted logic because I think it's how I would feel <laughs> about right. it. Um, I also don't like being responsible for making tough decisions. Um, so I, basically I would be mad about any form of this situation. Um, <laughs> so I relate hard to Mallory here. <laughs> Next, we're at Christy's house. Christy's mom's friend has had a heart attack. And so Watson and Elizabeth have to run to the hospital to be at her bedside. So Christy is left to do some unexpected babysitting of siblings. And Christy is very upset. I don't know why. This happens a lot. She does a ton of babysitting. It's not that unusual. But anyway, Christy's feeling aggrieved about it today. David Michael has a friend with... We ha- it's been a long time since we had ridiculous baby name of the week. But <laughs> it has come roaring back with David Michael's friend Carver Ensign. <laughs> like, what is happening? Did they open a, a pantry and find labels? <laughs> like just look at foodstuffs because that's what these sound like they might be from um i also think um christy is specifically um upset because marianne is out there somewhere in the mobile phoneless wilderness waiting for her to show up <laughs> fair <laughs> true uh, so I, I so i sort of get that it's very very last minute emergency thing um uh like i think i'd be pissed but also she does actually she get a hold of marianne in the end so yes that's true um but like yeah it was a it was a very sudden change of plans i get yes. that um I, I can't explain carver ensign um <laughs> he but he is terrible as are his parents his parents are particularly terrible yes yeah, so carver ensign was supposed to come over for a play date with david michael who meanwhile is unhelpfully waving a jar of bugs at people are they alive i'm really like weirded out by the jar of bugs it's Probably. just a, his collection of beetles they probably are alive. He's probably just like collected them that day. Yeah, it's his latest collection of beetles, not like a permanent collection. I'd say they're alive for now. Beetle welfare <laughs> is not a strong point <laughs> of this household, I don't think. No, I don't think so. Um, so there's various like child-related chaos. Uh, Carver Ensign turns up with his parents who refuse to leave Carver Ensign without an adult in charge. Um, Christy is furious at this and feels that her babysitting skills have been impugned, um, which isn't really the Ensign parents' fault if they don't know that she runs a successful babysitting business. Like, 
It's not her fault if they don't read the Stony Brook news every week that constantly has articles about what the Babysitter's Club are up to. She, The parents have been quite rude to her as well. They to are start extremely with. rude. Like, oh yeah. Yeah, they basically are talking about her. Um, <laughs> yes, like she's not there. Um, I'm not sure they address her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so, all right. I retract that. I'm, I'm, I'm team Christy now. <laughs> uh, um. Uh, so yes, they're uh, they're very dismissive of Christie's abilities, and mm-hmm. um, Christie is very dismissive of their abilities, basically. Uh, and then they suggest like taking David Michael away with them, and Christie is like, "No, you're not going to do that without like his parents' knowledge or consent." And they're like, "Hmm. Well, I guess if you're going to be difficult." Carver Ensign will have to come over another day instead. Sigh. <laughs> they are Mr. and Mrs. Ensign, by the way. <laughs> I'm just laughing at how they're re- if you're telling they're referring to their son by both of his names. <laughs> it's just, there's some names that are just so ridiculous, you have to use the whole name every time, and Carver Ensign is one of those. Okay, fair enough. I, I, I'll allow that. Um, it's all a weird and very awkward um, situation. Um which would not happen nowadays because of mobile phones. Yeah. So David Michael has a tantrum and says that he hates Christy and he's never speaking to her again. Um, the small kids want to play outside, but it's raining. They decide to go up to the attic and look for the ghost of old Ben Brewer. Um, then they do that for a while. Christy makes ham and cheese sandwiches for everyone's lunch, but <laughs> Boo Boo uh, performs a hamectomy on all of the sandwiches while her back is turned. <laughs> <laughs> this has the most chilling sentence in any of the books including the ghost books which is unfortunately the phone rang while christy was in the middle of fixing the sandwiches she ran to answer it leaving the ham unattended on the counter <laughs> yep it's very clear what's going to happen next. yes it's Chekhov's ham if there's ham on the counter in the first act it will get eaten in the third act if it's still there by the third act it has definitely been licked by the cat <laughs> um so yes further chaos ensues there uh andrew drops a glass of milk uh there's broken glass everywhere uh christy reflects that now she knows how mallory feels and it must be very hard to live like this all the time (laughs) then she then she says i sure hope mallory doesn't quit where would i find another babysitter as good as mallory i love the fact that like christy relayed this inner monologue to mallory later on and now Mallory is relaying it to us. It's like, and then Christy thought about how I was great and irreplaceable and she didn't know where she'd be without me. Uh, yeah, yeah. The conceit of the first person narration in these books, it's flimsy at times. <laughs> and occasionally hilarious. Yep. It's more fun this way than if we were just getting everybody's thoughts directly from the omniscient narrator. Oh, yeah. On Saturday, Mallory wakes up and she's thinking more about her story. She's thinking about a collage she wants to make for cover art. And then she suddenly panics and starts to worry that she's going to be overloaded with tasks this weekend. And it'll be just like all the other weekends and she won't get anything done. So then she gets some poster board and attaches them to suspenders and makes a big sign that says Mallory on strike. And this is when the questionable labor activism comes in. (laughs) Um, Because what she does is go downstairs and eat breakfast as normal. 
until somebody is like, so what's the deal with that? Um, and yes, she explains that she's on strike from helping out around the house so that she can go get other shit done. Uh, the kids do not understand. The triplets think she's on strike for more pocket money. Which is actually a reasonable supposition. That's yeah. the kind of thing yeah. you would go on strike for. Not like creative time. <laughs> I mean, better working conditions. Yeah, I suppose. Mm, yes. Um, but yes, his dad, um, as management always does, cracks down on this and said that only one kid at a time is allowed to be on strike. They're not allowed to do any kind of solidarity action. He does not want them to learn the true meaning of collective yeah. <laughs> collectivism. I mean, in fairness, if you have eight kids... They're severely outnumbered. Yeah. But yeah, they yeah. absolutely do not want their kids to learn about the collectivism. They're fucked. Do you bring in like a bunch of other unaffiliated kids to cross the picket line and like... <laughs> Scab kids. Okay, come here. Um, You know, Tammy, you're going to Little League instead of my ungrateful biological children. <laughs> Buddy Barrett, bleed from your foot all over the floor, would you? Thanks. <laughs> we need to bring somebody in to smash another glass that's full of milk because that is, is required to happen at least once per chapter. <laughs> and then somebody brings the giant inflatable rat. <laughs> so the, everybody else is quite confused about this. Um, and I do, I do enjoy Mal saying, I listened to my brothers and sisters talk and wondered if it were possible for an entire family to have a screw loose. It sure sounded like it from their conversation. <laughs> It's extremely possible these things do run in families, Mallory. <laughs> I know, we wouldn't phrase it exactly like that these days, yeah. but... um, <laughs> Well, sometimes an entire family has a screw loose, is all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is also but true. That's distinct from mental illness. Hashtag tell all memoir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is all I'm saying. <laughs> um, so everyone's like, okay, fair enough. So Mallory goes up to her room and works undisturbed and it's fine. And that is literally the entire strike. The title mm-hmm. of this book grossly oversold how much striking there was going to be. <laughs> like she she literally was like, I need a day to do some stuff. And everyone said, okay, cool. That's not a strike. It's, it's Mallory goes, fuck this. I'm having a day off. Yeah. Really? I I believe that it might take Mallory um, having a big dramatic gesture of some description, even if that doesn't really match what we understand as like labor activism, Um, because she just needs to be like, no, you don't understand. I can't just, if I ask you to give me a couple of hours off um, politely, then you're not going to do it. um, And somebody is going to come in having an existential crisis. Um, So that's why I got the poster board out. Yeah. Um, Mallory firmly enforces her boundaries. It's just a very, very short-lived, uncontroversial strike. I have not been this disappointed by a title since Marianne and Too Many Boys was like (laughs) two boys and a kid. (laughs) Like, it's it's not a strike if it's over this fast and you just get everything you asked for immediately. That's a conversation. That's like a, a a brief talk with the union rep. Meanwhile, while Mallory is up in her ivory tower working, um, the Pike parents have an emergency at the Stony Brook Library because, like, 
the fundraiser at Shea Maurice was not enough and they're running out of funding and all the parents have been urgently summoned to an emergency meeting, which again is bullshit. Maybe something happened with the Shea Maurice funds. Ooh. Maybe they were just <laughs> resting in somebody's account. Maybe they were all in on the big bag of cocaine and now there's a problem and somebody is going to need to get paid. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> I have, they've scheduled an emergency board meeting. Note, a sexy emergency board meeting. We think they may be in some sort of financial trouble. Note, sexy financial trouble. Also valid. Oh, oh my God. I know what the emergency meeting is. What? Okay. I'm really sorry to have to announce this, but it was easiest to get everybody together. together. I have chlamydia. (laughs) You all need to get checked. Yes, okay. That's that's what's definitely happening right now. So the parents have to run away to this STI emergency, so they <laughs> get Marianne and Dawn in to at the cover library. For them. <laughs> at the library. <laughs> they didn't know what to say. It's hard to understand how a library operates or where it gets its money or any of that complicated stuff. Or why they have a condom machine in the bathroom. Or what all these leaflets are for. <laughs> sorry sorry okay okay all right there we go it's just it's a sex positive library (laughs) oh my god my mother hurried out of the kitchen tucking a packet of tissues into her purse (laughs) jesus christ sorry i didn't even realize i had that highlight (laughs) okay um (laughs) So the parents run off to deal with this expanding situation. Um, and Marianne and Dawn are left to babysit the kids and they're told to leave Mallory alone, basically. Um, so there's sort of generic chaotic babysitting. Um, at one point, Claire Pike goes missing and they're kind of worried because they don't know where she is so they split up to go look for her and then they it just turns into a horror movie for a minute don't um, split the party guys no the kids have been playing a game of hide and seek maybe claire was still hiding then again maybe she wasn't dawn peered into the kitchen no sign of claire she was just about to go upstairs when she heard a piping sound like singing she stopped and listened the sound was coming from the stairs leading down to the rec room Playmates, come out and play with me and bring your dollies three. Dee 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 dee. A high little voice sang slightly off key. <laughs> this absolutely just gave me chills. Like, this is absolutely leading up to like, John comes in and finds that Claire is like upside down on the ceiling. Yeah. And like, her face has been replaced with worms or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the literal first time i heard this in actual media is it features in the adams family um, oh yeah <laughs> where it is correctly identified as cc my playmate otherwise yeah. you don't it doesn't scan at all so no yeah. it, does, it is cc my playmate <laughs> uh so yes it is a yeah, fully fully horror movie <laughs> yes and then it just segues back into like babysitting shenanigans um so when they have everyone settled, Marianne goes up to check on Mallory and she knocks on the door and Mallory is like, what? Uh, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> and Marianne is like, um, so yes, the strike thing has clearly worked out well for you. 
but you probably should have some kind of actual conversation where you explain your needs and boundaries. And Mallory's like, oh yeah, actually, that makes a ton of sense. I'm going to do that. So then she does that. And it's great. I'm sorry. Did this advice come from Dawn and Mary Ann? (laughs) (laughs) The gaslighting queens? (laughs) Yep. Although, I mean, I I suppose Mary Ann has had some very frank conversations with Logan that we should give her credit for. um, She's grown a lot as a person, but like her, she tends more towards the passive aggressive. Yes. 100%. Um, And then cries when she doesn't get her way. Yeah. Or someone is mad at her because of something she did or said. Or when something happens in her vicinity that has nothing to do with her. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, Dawn is just like the queen of gaslighting. <laughs> Dawn is just like, I'm going to change the fabric of reality to something that suits my needs better. Um, and I don't care who gets in my way. <laughs> and then she does it. Yeah. Yeah. The Schaefer Spear household is great on the theory. Not so good on the practice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, to be honest, Mallory has done a better job of articulating what she needs because even if she does it through the medium of poster board, <laughs> like yeah. being really stressed and then having a blow up is a much more normal way to deal with like and being slightly overburdened. Tweet. Yes, if this was done, she would like fake her own death or something to make everyone really appreciate her. Yes. Oh my God, Dawn is definitely going to fake her own death at some point just for like... Just to see what she can get out of it. Just for likes. Yeah. She'll do it on Instagram. She'll do it for clout. Yeah. For <laughs> She'll do it when her essential oils business expands faster than she can keep pace with. Um, yes. She, she runs out of inventory and she panics and she fakes her own deaths to get out of it. <laughs> Sounds entirely plausible. So yes, Mallory like tells her parents everything and they're like, that makes a ton of sense. Okay, let's make some concrete changes and also let's reward you with a fun day out. Um, it's very anticlimactic. I will say though, like they're like, you need Mallory Pike Day, you get a day off, and I'm like, yeah, she needs at least one a month, guys. Yes, <laughs> she needs structural change. Yeah, like yeah, that's she. She needs um like to not constantly be working because she's eleven. I think she probably also needs to work out how to do that out of the house, though. <laughs> If she needs that amount of, yeah, like space. Because they also have seven other children who are really hard work. (laughs) So I feel like you can bridge both of these things. But like, you know. Yes, structural change is important. I think the day day off is just to cheer her up. But they do also make some like long-term policy changes, which is more (laughs) meaningful. Are you seeing this, Aoife, like um, bosses going, everybody has been really stressed. So we got you all pizza and beer. Yeah, Yay. Kind of. yeah. yeah that's kind of how I'm seeing it. But no, yeah. they do. They do some changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know. But like, I, yeah. I vaguely remember that. We're into the bits that I haven't reread today. Okay. <laughs> that's fair enough. <laughs> well, they go to the mall. They have a very fun early 90s mall montage. Uh, Mallory feels very grown up because she's in the car with her parents and no siblings. Um ah. They go pick up Jesse. They then the girls are allowed to go mill around the mall by themselves, which they're very excited about. So they go shopping for earrings. Mallory thinks about which earrings Claire and Margot might like, and then goes, "Hmm, I miss my sisters." Mm. Then they go make fun of some guys who are trying to sell some kind of futuristic skateboard called the Teeter Streeter. And just like openly roast this poor teenager who's clearly like working for minimum wage. <laughs> yep. they're, they're absolutely vicious about it. Um, 
I quite enjoyed that. It was delightful. They go looking at more earrings because earrings are everything in these books. Then they go to Zingy's. I love that Zingy's came up again. We have Zingy's continuity. Yes. Yes. Zingy's is the punk shop. Um, they try to try on some steel toe boots, but then realize that they're late for burritos with Mallory's parents. So they run away while the guy is in the stockroom, which does make me feel a little <laughs> bad for him. <laughs> Just picture him and like coming back with these gigantic boots and like, Oh. Yeah, a pair of new rocks, basically. And uh... <laughs> uh, you can't even lift your feet because they're so heavy. Yeah, like I was gonna say, that's like carrying the shoebox is like heavy, heavy lifting. Yeah, he's there, like trying to remember his manual handling lessons, and, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sparing his knees and stuff. Maybe they just don't have it in her size. We can always hope. <laughs> then they go up to the food court, which they quaintly refer to as the food circus which is brightly decorated with mirrors and neon lights. And that gave me very happy 90s feelings. Yeah. Um, and they have fun over burritos. And then Mallory talks about how she saw earrings that are just Margot's style. And she saw a book of Emily Dickinson and she thought Vanessa might like it. And then she decides to get those presents. And then she decides that actually she's going to give everyone a present since she's been cranky lately. Um... And Mallory decides that her day out was fun, but actually uh, the most important thing is constantly spending all of her time with her family and being responsible for them, which is kind of depressing. Yeah, yep. this I'm I'm really mad about. I'm like, this is this is how parents feel. Mallory should not have developed this. No. No. She's 11. She's not even 13 like the others. She's, she's a small child. Hmm. So she thinks that like, it was fun, but like, Basically, yeah, she feels guilty that she was having fun in the mall when her siblings would also have enjoyed being at the mall. But she would not have had fun at the mall if the siblings were there because she would have been chasing after them. Yes, like. yes. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's very bleak. Like, it's not that like a large family can't all go out together and have a nice time, but like demonstrably this large family cannot do that. <laughs> yeah. No, they cannot go out and Mallory have a nice time. Yes. And now she can't even have a nice time when she goes out without them because she feels like she should be looking after them all the time. And mm-hmm. like, I think the Pike parents need to step up and have some more rules in their house. I think their no <laughs> rules policy is not working out for everyone. Also, um, I love how she gets home and like Dawn and Marianne have now spent two full days minding the Pikes by themselves. And, yeah. <laughs> and they're kind of shell-shocked. Yeah. Like... Did you notice how the Pike parents um, organizing Mallory Day have managed to also have a second day of not childminding? Yep. Mm-hmm. They're just like, <laughs> they're like, okay, I'm going to drop you and your best friend off at the mall and then uh, we won't see you for several hours. Go have fun. <laughs> <laughs> then we're going to eat burritos. Um, it's not like one of us could have stayed home to mind the rest of our children. <laughs> Don and Marianne are traumatized anyway by their two consecutive days of Pike bullshit. <laughs> um, and Mallory announces to the kids that she's planning a surprise for them. But first, it's time for Young Authors Day. Um, yet again, yes, this town has gone all out. Uh, everyone has lost the run of themselves. Every kid in school has brought their entire family to Young Authors Day, which is absolutely unhinged because like, not every kid has entered and not every kid is going to care about this and like 
Did nobody's siblings have plans today? I can't believe everyone is giving up their Saturday to turn up at this. Um, so yet another like author, Pam Reed, the author of Bradley and the Great Chase, is coming to speak at assembly. And uh, Mallory won't shut up about it, and the family is sort of politely tolerating her. Um, <laughs> then they arrive, uh, they, they get to the auditorium, she sits down with Jesse. Um, Mallory is like practically hysterical with excitement. Uh, someone called Benny Ott keeps whistling, and Mallory is very disapproving of his lack of decorum. Um, Pam Reed gives a speech about the publishing process. Um, and Mallory is kind of, you know, in The Simpsons when Marge has a fear of flying. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, she's so tense that she's like levitating in a sitting position three three feet away from the couch. <laughs> I think that's basically what Mallory is doing. Yep. Oh, yeah. Then they're subjected to a puppet, a puppet performance from a group called Hand Jive about how reading stimulates the imagination. <laughs> it just sounds so unbearably cringy and like even Mallory knows she's laughing too hard at their jokes <laughs> I've forgotten that that is yeah that's that's such believable cringe though yes. for a middle school thing 100% a puppet group from New York City does hand jive not mean something obscene though um, well it's definitely implied in Greece when everybody is doing the hand jive enthusiastically that they're also um, fully aware of what it might also mean um, so like I think like the officially no 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 it doesn't and actually her her these kids in the 50s absolutely knew what it did um, so I have to assume this continues to be the case <laughs> maybe Anna and Martin doesn't know what it means I'm going to go with Anne doesn't know, but yeah. Yeah. Or she's like, nobody would ever think of that. Or the puppet group is a sort of Avenue Q type setup. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's what Avenue Q like eventually developed out of. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, So surprise, surprise, because the entire plot of this book has been Mallory writing her story. Mallory wins the prize. Best overall fiction for the sixth grade. It's a thinly disguised tell-all memoir (laughs) about being Mallory and having too many siblings. (laughs) Yes, Mallory has worked through some issues by writing about having too many siblings and how annoying it is. Because a load of grievances makes a brilliant book every time. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Just unfiltered, like, dump all your annoyances onto the page and just... Turn, serve it up unvarnished and unpolished and un- <laughs> anonymized and it'll be great um mallory's family never seems to piece this together though like they do see her book and nobody goes like oh wow this book really explains a lot about how you've been feeling lately like it's it really seems like it's being set up and then they just forgot to do that uh, they didn't read it i think yeah i was gonna say they didn't yeah they they just yeah. They were on the covers. She used their baby photos. She cut up their baby photos for a collage. I'm a bit appalled at that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I thought that was weird that they didn't kill her for that. Uh, yeah, I remember doing that and having to very selectively choose photos. I mean, you'd still have the negatives, but no one's going back to the shop to get a Nobody second set that. of prints. No. No. Um, even if you theoretically could. Um, that, that doesn't happen. So it's like, mm, which of these photos is good enough for this school project but also good enough to sacrifice yes yeah <sighs> and and you know who had to choose that my mother i did not get to make that decision 
<laughs> my mother made that decision. I could kind of understand that though. Use that one, that one, that one, and that one. Don't use that yet. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, no, that's fair. Like, that's the only picture I have of Uncle Frank, and you cut right through him. Look yeah, at exactly. his nose. <laughs> yeah, Mallory just took the initiative and like went sniffing her way through the photo album, which is kind of appalling. <laughs> yep. Maybe they haven't noticed that either. Maybe actually. They'll notice it when her her book is out on the prize table for everyone to read <laughs> when the book wins the booker prize and she gets interviewed <laughs> yes. about it <laughs> like david letterman suddenly they're going to be like hang on a minute <laughs> i guess i should read it <laughs> yeah so the crowd goes wild um mallory goes up and like gets a certificate from pam reed um Flashes of light are popping like fireworks as people snapped pictures. The idea that like multiple families are taking film photos of Mallory getting this certificate is hilarious. Like I fully believe Mallory is just imagining this at this point. I think it's the um, press team from the Stony Brook News have come out. (laughs) That's fair. Also extremely possible. Because there haven't been enough angry pigs. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) They they also have these those really old fashioned like Bugsy Malone type um oh, yeah. cameras is what I'm picturing. Like yes. things where there's like actual little explosions. Yeah, like a little this. puff of smoke, yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah, basically this is just nerd kid wish fulfillment. Everyone oh, yeah. makes a huge fuss about Mallory. Mallory is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um they have two workshops about being writers. Um and loads and loads of people have clearly read Mallory's story where when it was out on display like I'm not buying that that would take like 15 minutes nobody is standing around long enough to like read through some kid's handwriting yeah that's Mm -hmm. just a rant about how annoying her siblings are Mallory's got one of the easiest to read handwritings in the BSC though because she doesn't use cursive that Mm. is to her benefit so you know maybe they did and then Mallory announces that next weekend she and Jesse are going to take the kids out for a special day she wants them to dress like they might if they were explorers. And Jordan's like, you mean like jeans and stuff? And she's like, yeah, you never know what kind of terrain we'll be covering. People just wear jeans anyway. Like, this is not exciting explorer clothes. They also wore jeans in the 80s, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, um, like they, they did. Maybe like, <laughs> maybe she like thought about it and was like, I don't think they have those like linen suits and pith helmets, which is what I picture. <laughs> or, yes. or possibly like Lara Croft. <laughs> or like does Indiana also... Jones style. Yeah. Yes. None of those things are suitable. <laughs> so when Jordan comes yeah. up with the idea of jeans, I say just run with it. <laughs> explains yeah. it. So... Mallory has had a great week. For five days, teachers and kids, some of whom she's never met before, keep stopping her in the halls at school to congratulate her on her award. Again, I'm calling unreliable narrator. This did not happen. Like, yeah. imagine being in sixth class and stopping some kid you don't know to be like, congratulations on your short story prize. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, the teacher's thing, Sure. But not, yeah. Not, not the other kids. No way. Mallory then goes to a babysitter's club meeting, uh, does an apology tour for having been cranky. <laughs> um, they threaten to punish her by standing on her head. Oh, no, making her stand on her head, not standing <laughs> on her head. I was like, what? <laughs> I, I, little... It's been a while, but like, I'm pretty sure that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> and eat live worms or roasted eels. Um, <sighs> then they all laugh again because 
Uh-huh, Who would eat eels? Food that is unfamiliar is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, Mallory has in fact negotiated better conditions at home. She's allowed to use the desk in her parents' room to write at. And she's allowed put a do not disturb sign on the door and everyone has to honour it. This also works out well for the Pike parents. <laughs> because then everybody, there's an excuse for them to have a do not disturb sign on their door that everybody has to honour. <laughs> oh, Mallory must have left that there overnight. Oh, well. <laughs> I mean, honestly, you could just use that for napping quite successfully. Would yeah. <laughs> Mallory and Jesse meet at the weekend to take the kids out. They go on an explorer trip. Um, their first activity is making paper hats. At which Nikki says, oh boy, oh boy, gleefully. The kids need more excitement in their lives. Making paper hats is not oh boy, oh boy territory. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, they make hats. They give themselves explorer names. Um, then they go attend a circus that conveniently a bunch of kids are putting on in the Braddock's yard. And that's the main activity for much of the day. <laughs> I just want to point out here that um, Mallory is wearing a visor like Christie's. I thought that would make me seem more like a leader. <laughs> oh, bless. <laughs> yep, Christie is training them well. Graven image. Yep. Um, then they do a puppet show to entertain the kids who did the circus performance. Just think about how crap kids are at all these things. I know, this would be excruciating. <sighs> Yeah. They make homemade musical instruments on which they play Old MacDonald. Byron's instrument is a tuba made from a piece of garden hose and a funnel. That will not make a noise. No, and also this is some this is some pike bullshit though. <laughs> like I'm getting increasingly annoyed. <laughs> the thought of these children having wholesome fun together. Um but like they do get like it's like what have we done? Okay, we've had a library. We've had a um We've had a fun fair. We've had a haunted house. Let's make them do something that really physically won't work and we'll make everybody cross because it's not working. Like, they're not going to work together this well to allow this to happen. Yeah, and also let's make other kids watch. (laughs) Um, Then they do a scavenger hunt. And then Mallory is so overcome by the sight of the kids, like, playing together and not wrecking the gaff for once that she starts crying. Um, and reflects that she's turning into Marianne. Mm. Mallory reflects on how great the day has been and how nice her family is briefly being. And she decides she could never quit babysitting because she loves children too much. Um, And that's the end. This day is so long and so complicated. I'm really tired trying to keep track of all the things they did. And I'm sitting at a table drinking wine. Can you imagine being the neighbours and having to hear this like ungodly cacophony coming from outside? <laughs> well, at least, thankfully, some of it is being made by a garden hose with a funnel on it. So it's not <laughs> as loud as it could so be. There's no actual sound. It's fine. Also, like that, like, thing of like, you know, I, I love this so much. Like, it reminds me of like too many of the like shitty guilt trippy mom reels i'm seeing on instagram these days <laughs> like yes cherish every moment Eva. or else <laughs> i mean or else like and the thing is right they're shitty and guilt trippy i'm pretty good at cherishing every moment like i said i think it's hilarious when he loses his temper mm. like it's incredibly cute 
But you have to be performatively cherishing it in the form of reels or it doesn't count. I kind of feel like the implication here is that Mallory does a very slight bit of resistance to, you know, her... <sighs> Mallory does industrial action, which is really very minor. Yeah. Um, and then she realizes how much she loves working for her family corporation and how great it is and how mm. she doesn't really want anything to change. I'm like, what sort of propaganda is this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we don't need a union. We're a family. Exactly. Like, go on strike in this manner or some other way at least once every six months. Just keep them on their toes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> also, you're coming into teenagerhood, so that should be really easy for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Side note in Anne M. Martin's little note at the end. Um, speaking of like half-ass low effort parenting strategies, <laughs> she says that um, sometimes her parents would just leave her and her sister to babysit each other, which like is not a thing. That's just leaving your kids at home. Yeah, they're just on their own. Yeah, they're just... You can admit that, but... That's okay, like... They're not being babysat. I guess it's more of a like you telling her if she does anything terrible and you telling her if she does anything terrible. Got it? Cool. That's not babysitting either. That's a prisoner's dilemma. <laughs> yeah, I know, but you know. <laughs> it's a form of ensuring, like, a minim- minima. It's a form of minimizing mischief. But it's definitely not what babysitting is. When I was left babysitting my brother, I was explicitly told, I don't expect you to be in any way responsible for this child's behavior. I've met him. Here is the number of the pub. We are five minutes away. Ring if anything happens. <laughs> And that's the difference between American parents and Irish parents. American parents give you the pediatrician's number. Irish parents give you the pub number. Yeah, it was a five minutes drive away. Good times. They were going to drive home from the pub like responsible parents if yeah. anything went wrong. Oh, I mean, I did have to call them the time he like electrocuted himself. So that was good. His light was plugged in and he tried to change the bulb. He took out his bulb and then put his finger in to feel where to put the new bulb oh i mean the logic is impeccable he was fine i say electric himself looking like he died he didn't he just got a shock he was fine um and he um i did call them and he was pleading with me not to because he was going to get in trouble for having been so stupid oh did he get in trouble um i don't remember i kind of just left them to it i mean (laughs) he probably got lectured at a lot about it yeah I mean, that is a real object lesson in electrics. I'm <laughs> pretty sure he wasn't going to do that again. Uh, as a kid, he learned best through real object lessons. <laughs> in that, like, this is the kid who went and kicked the horse when he was told, like, don't walk behind the horse, the horse might kick you. Yeah, How did, he How did the horse take to being kicked? Oh, the horse kicked him. <laughs> it, was, it was a very gentle pony who gently flicked her hoof out going, what was that behind me kind of thing? And clipped him on the hip and left a little bruise. Um, but he did start like, he did like end up crying. Mm, what happened you? Saying nothing. Um, but yeah, like they had seen it all happen out the window. A friend of my mother's did once kick a police horse. Ooh, um, rebellious. And ended up going to prison for like six weeks. A cab, but yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, you would. That would happen to you if you kicked a police horse, yeah. A a chab. All <laughs> cop horses are. <laughs> was this part of like a protest or something? It was part of a protest. She was not just like kicking horses, feeling frisky one day and decided to kick a police horse. Yeah, that seems fair. 
Wow. The police were doing some kind of crackdown and she she took it out on the horse. <laughs> crackdown on horse kicking. I think she may have also broken her toe. I wouldn't kick any horse. I just, they're very large. Police horses are very big. Scary animals. Like even non-police horses are very large, scary animals. Horses are big. They're very, very. Even ponies are big. Even little ponies that are tiny and like cute. They're like, they have big bitey teeth and their feet are hard and they put metal on them. Like, just just leave horses alone. (laughs) If there's one thing you take away from this episode, listeners, leave horses horses alone. They will fight you and they'll win. Yeah. But you should eat eels because they are delicious. Unless you're uh, keeping kosher. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Very culturally sensitive at the end there. Well done. Thanks. Hey, criminally averted. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Let's do a fashion report. There's good fashion in this one. My God, yes. There's a lot of fashion in this one. And actually, this is like my... This has been my kind of mental Claudia outfit forever. Mm. Um, it descri- it's describing her like earring arrangement ah. which is a pink flamingo in one ear and a palm tree in the other and a tiny gold monkey on top of the palm tree and like that has always been like what what I remembered of what Claudia gets up to fashion wise I just nice. love that it's such a good combination a shout out also just um to the shop in the mall called Stuff and Nonsense mm-hmm. um, which sounds very like similar shops that I think were in like the Stephen's Green Shopping Centre when we were growing up but um, I definitely had a pair of these earrings Esther I don't know if you had one as well which you could buy in Banana Tree Um, also they were within my um, budget at the time where it was like it's the earring is an eye but there's an attachment that goes on the back of the post um, which looks like um, eyelashes that creeps around the front of your uh, of your ear so you could have like an eye with eyelashes you gave me a set of them for Christmas one year. Did I? Can, yes. Could you wear those? It occurs to me now that it wasn't like, you know, fancy metal. <laughs> I would have been fine for like a day. Oh, good. I might still have them, actually. I, should, <laughs> I feel like mine are around somewhere. They were cool. They were very cute. And yes, very Claudia. Oh, God, I miss Banana Treat. It's a bit, it's a big and tall men's suit store now. <laughs> no, that's yeah. just you sad. Can't, you yeah. can't get like aggressively scented candles and like you just listen to massive attack while <laughs> <playing>. <laughs> burning cedar flavored incense from banana tree ah oh, the 90s was a bit of crack <laughs> was um yes claudia's default example outfit is polka dot leggings with a short red skirt a long sleeve t-shirt with a black vest covered in cool pins that she made herself and 50 style penny loafers with white anklets you could fully wear that today. That's an extremely like normal mm. outfit. Um, but I mean that in a good way. It's just like, it's cool, but it's also not like painfully 90s. Yeah. Did you catch the brief aside where Claire is getting stuff out of the dress up box at the Pike House um, and she pulls out a blue 50s um, prom dress and Jessie's like, oh my God, Claudia would love that. <laughs> <laughs> and she would. Yes. Dawn's California casual is described as both very acute and three different colored t-shirts at once and a short jean skirt i don't Mm. like we were all big into the t-shirt over a long sleeve top look which was both fun and practical um Mm. but three t-shirts at once how can anyone tell you're wearing three t-shirts at once 
Like you're going to have to layer that so carefully so that the sleeves are like stacked. I mean, I'm thinking about like, this is not what that is, but I'm thinking of the like, like 2000s, 2010s, multiple popped collared polo shirts. (laughs) (laughs) She's a rugby bro. (laughs) Maybe that's what's happening. They just don't know what that is and that's why they're calling it California casual kind of tentatively <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> maybe I guess maybe it's a thing there. they just don't have any anyone who wears a polo shirt um <laughs> except doll <laughs> yeah no I don't think that works at no. all um I'm just trying to justify my enjoyment of the mental image of dawn <laughs> stuff like she's going to the bar of a golf club <laughs> then Mallory when she goes to creative writing class decides to dress studious, uh, which is a navy blue wool skirt, a knit sweater vest with a white starched blouse and penny loafers, because it's extremely important to her that Mr. Doherty take her seriously. Oh, so sweet. I, I love her use of the subjunctive or whatever it is as well. Yes. Like, <laughs> she is trying her hardest. Mr. Doherty, meanwhile, is resplendent in a brown corduroy coat with brushed leather patches at the elbows, uh. a red and yellow plaid shirt and baggy tan chinos. Mallory says that she thinks all teachers should dress that way. It makes them look very acute. <laughs> Bless. I um, I have yet to see an academic wearing the coat with the elbow patches, but I kind of live in hope. Yeah. We've been um, we've been rewatching Justified, and the main character in it is this um U.S. marshal going around Kentucky wearing a cowboy hat. Um, and he's literally the only person who ever wears one and they regard him as quite eccentric for it and I really <laughs> didn't pick up on that the first time I watched it <laughs> all these people from down in the holler are like Raylan what are you what are you doing like what, I love is, it. what is this about it's that same kind of thing like are you you're you're wearing the coat like the famous coat but maybe you should not though <laughs> I know you got here and you're like I'm gonna wear it now but just just dial it back <laughs> our our one of our maths teachers actually he didn't often wear it but he would have he had a tweed coat with leather patches on the elbows perpetually hung up next to the blackboard in his classroom oh and he would occasionally pretend to smoke the chalk and he would wind <laughs> up with chalk on his lips i don't understand what he was doing <laughs> he was a good guy actually yeah he was perpetually covered in chalk dust he once if once i saw him very early in the day and he hadn't got covered in chalk yet and it was like the saturation had been turned way up on him because then like the rest of the day he would just be increasingly paler (laughs) he got through a lot of chalk yes um christy is wearing not just her crushers t-shirt but like separate crushers merch she's got sweatpants (laughs) and a t-shirt that says go crushers She's like an influencer. She's getting full use out of Watson's screen printing rig. Yes, definitely. <laughs> or Watson is just screen printing all this stuff and putting it in her wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> That's so wholesome. What a good stepdad. <laughs> Patrick Thomas could never. Oh God, no. So yeah, we just assume that he's he's either shopping for wall sconces with Christie's mother or he's screen printing up a storm in the back room <laughs> for her special day at the mall mallory wears a jean skirt and jacket bright red tights sneakers and multicolored earrings um yep double denim checks out 1991 also esther circa 1999 if i recall <laughs> yeah. oh to be fair Eva circa 1998 there's photographic evidence 
I, I, I know you owned both those items, but maybe you didn't wear them together. But yes, that's, yeah, it was very popular. It was extremely popular then as well. If I was doing double denim, you were right there with me, missus. <laughs> <laughs> I never had a denim jacket, ever. Um, they just do not suit me. I, like, I, I, I approve of them as a concept. I was, I went, I was full bewitched for a while. <laughs> well. I once saw one of the members of Bewitched coming into the airport. Cool. Was she wearing double denim? Uh, I don't remember. She seemed very tired. <laughs> Maybe she wasn't in her uniform. Jessie is, um... Jessie is wearing a brand new purple jumpsuit with a gold turtleneck. That is a... I kind of want to hate it, but I kind of can't. Yeah. It's a lot of look. It's so extra for an 11-year-old going out with her friends in the middle of the day. <laughs> it is. I, I also, I fear the gold turtleneck because I'm wondering if it is actually more like a mustard <laughs> turtleneck. I'm hoping it's metallic. That's It's much better if it's metallic. Yeah, okay. Fingers crossed. We'll, yeah. We're hoping, holding it for lame. <laughs> so yeah, quite a lot of fashion. Oh yes, Pam Reed looks like an artist in an Indian print skirt, brushed leather vest, white blouse with puffed sleeves and sleek boots. She has shoulder length red hair, which fell about her shoulders in thick, beautiful waves. I decided then and there that if by some miracle I survived the next half hour and didn't keel over from nerves, I would try and look and dress just like Pam Reed. <laughs> This is very, yes, creative woman in the 90s. Uh, Uh We actually had a teacher who dressed a lot like that at my primary school. She played the guitar. Of course she did. (laughs) And yes, for their explorer trip, the kids wear jeans, sweatshirts and jackets. I presumably exactly what they wear every day. (laughs) Yeah, I, that, yeah, that's not a special outfit. Karen, I have a question for you. Is everyone terrible? Mostly not. Um, There's just a bunch of weird behavior in the club where they're like, you absolutely can't take any time off or you'll be directly responsible for the demise of the club in its entirety, which is not great. Um, The solidarity is not there. Um, Once Mallory starts kind of working out how to articulate um, what she wants and needs from people, uh, everybody is pretty responsive to that. Um... I'm trying to think, is there any examples of actual terribleness? Um, maybe I'm missing something out because uh, I'm quite tired. <laughs> yeah, Christy's a bit grumpy at one point. That's about as bad as anyone gets. Uh, yeah. Mr. Doherty is not helpful um, with Mallory's writer's block, which um, surely is an important part of being a writer. <laughs> yeah, he's not, he's not doing great at motivating young writers rather than just yelling at them. Yeah, everyone is kind of fine. Um Whoever gave everybody um, in the Swingers Club chlamydia um, needs to check themselves in more ways than one. But uh, yeah, so I... I... At least they're being responsible about it and letting everyone know immediately. um, Well, I hope it's immediately, though. (laughs) We don't know how long the situations have gone on. Yeah. Mr. Doherty... I keep saying Doherty because I'm assuming that that's how they say it in America. (laughs) But it is Doherty. So Mr. Doherty is, um, I'm assuming... um, Mr. Artie thing where he's like, well, this is terrible time management. You only have three weeks left. Is that? <laughs> I am. This is part of the reason that I assume that Anna Martin is actually great at time management. 
I mean, Mr. Doherty's other great contribution consisted of looking at all the kids to see if they had the right stuff yeah. and concluding that, yes, they did, which they all found very motivating. <laughs> so good for them, I guess. I mean, his greatest contribution is his outfit. Yes. Also true. He, He's literally there to like visually inspire them to become writers. <laughs> I think that's the main thing. Our next book is going to be book 48, Jesse's Wish. So join us for that. We have social media. Um, we've theoretically got a Tumblr and a Facebook. Um, can we just not be on Twitter anymore? I'm so done with Twitter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> can I just finally be free and delete our Twitter? Delete the Twitter. I think uh, like... All of Twitter's advertising is done with Twitter. <laughs> so I can't imagine it's going to be able to keep the lights on for that much longer. Yeah, I, I would I would assume Twitter's dead, yeah, yeah. We're not exactly doing the numbers over there. We're on Instagram. Mainly we're on Instagram. That is like, that. that is the only place that we actually are vaguely borderline active on our socials. So if you need us, mm-hmm. that's where we are. Uh, you can always drop us an email at the podcast at donshouse at gmail.com. Um, please rate and review and subscribe in your pod- podcast app and tell all your friends about us. Uh, we also have a Kofi that exists. Also, <laughs> we did get a message from one of our listeners who has been to Brick Township. It's a real place <gasps> and she's literally been there. No. Amazing. And I feel very, like, unsettled by this knowledge. <laughs> wow. Okay. I don't know what to do with this information. Neither do I. I. Neither do I, but like, <laughs> you needed to hear it. Everyone yeah. needed to hear it. <laughs> and is he as handsome as everyone says? <laughs> With a name like that, he's got to be. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think that's it for us tonight. And in conclusion, always remember, uh, basic time management is useful and you should definitely get real good at that by age 11. Eels are delicious. I'm feeling a little like down on the US and generally large countries beginning with you at the moment. (laughs) Hey, you leave Ukraine out of this. Fuck you, Uruguay. (laughs) Yeah, that's true, actually. Ukraine is, yeah. Okay. And also Uruguay. My apologies to Uruguay. Yeah, don't kick Ukraine when it's down, basically, at the moment. (laughs) God, Karen. What's wrong with you? Ukraine's fine. I won't hear otherwise. (laughs) And I don't have any opinions on Uruguay. Well, develop some for the next podcast. There'll be a quiz. Okay. Yeah, that's your homework. I'll I'll hop onto Wikipedia real quick.